Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 219. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening once again and thanks for downloading. And first time listeners, welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, what one customer did when Apple refused him a refund. Asus reveals its new range of super-thin laptops and convertibles, and Game of Thrones has been re-released in Enhanced Digital Edition. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at Sony's new flagship 4K Ultra HD LED television and Dyson's new air purifiers. In the Tech Guide interview, we're going to talk to UAV Air's Ashley Cox about the relaxed drone laws, and as usual, we'll wrap it up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to talk about, so let's jump straight in. Well, there's a saying that the customer is always right. A lot of stores abide by that little creed, and some don't. And one store in particular, uh, they had a little incident with one of their customers. Uh, It was an Apple store in France, in Dijon. And a customer walked in and was refused a refund. Not sure what product that he was refused a refund for. I'm tipping it was an iPhone. And he was refused. And what he didn't, what he didn't do though, he uh, he stood there and he we argued that he deserved his his refund. He said that he claimed his European consumer rights had been violated. He uh, actually stood up in the store and said that he said that uh, they refused to reimburse me. I asked for my money back, and they said no. So you know what's happening? This is happening, and then. He proceeded to walk around the store with a steel ball in his hand and proceeded to just destroy one iPhone after the other. The The video is on Tech Guide. A shocked uh, customer, an onlooker, filmed the whole incident. And you can see the man walking through the store and pulling the iPhones out of their stand, their charging stands, laying them flat on the wooden tables and smashing them with a steel ball that he was holding in a glove in his left hand. In the video, we counted 12 iPhones that he destroyed uh, while he was uh, he, he was having a rant in the store. Apple, The Apple staff, interestingly, did not move. They, no one approached him. No one tried to stop him. Uh, he, he was able to go through all of that, and he even was able to walk out of the store without a single person, even the, the shopping center security guard, laying a finger on him. I don't know what the laws are uh, over there in France when someone does something like that in a store. 
But uh, apparently a short time later he did try to make a run for it and that, that allowed the security to cha- make chase and also uh, take him into custody. Uh, he on, on the way out, he, apart, apart from him smashing the 12 iPhones, he also destroyed one MacBook Air as, as he was leaving the whole time uh, uh, talking to the customer who was actually filming. Uh, I don't think it was a, the customer. He knew the customer. There was just some ha- – happened to be an onlooker who just whipped out their phone and started recording the whole thing. I think there was even a second video that someone shot while they were in the store. So it was uh, quite an incident. Damage is estimated to be around fifty thousand uh, dollars. Apparently, the the phones that he destroyed on the video weren't the only products he destroyed. Before the video was rolling, apparently he was already at it, uh, smashing up products in the store. Certainly, not the best way to uh, to appeal to the store's sense of to give you a refund. Uh, but uh, did did take quite a drastic measure there. It's it's pretty shocking. You you got to check out the video at techguide.com.au. Uh, if you are going to ask for a refund, hopefully you uh, have better luck than this guy. But uh, as I said, you can check out that video at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Zeus uh, have just released some uh, great-looking computers and convertibles and tablets in their latest range, their Zen range, the flagship being the ZenBook 3 laptop. Uh, this is it's priced from twenty two thousand six hundred ninety nine dollars, so twenty six ninety nine. This is a, an ultrabook. It's just eleven point nine millimeters thick. So imagine a MacBook. Uh, but this is obviously a Windows 10 version of that. Looks uh, similar in design, but it is actually slightly thinner than the MacBook, as well as lighter. It's only the, the ZenBook 3 is 910 grams, and if you want to work out what sort of footprint it has, it it is about the same size. It's actually smaller, I should say, than a piece of A4 paper. It's got a 12.5-inch screen, and what makes it so thin and light is that the fact that it's made out of aircraft-grade aluminium. So what that does is offer lightweight construction, lightweight materials, yet it's still really, really strong. The edge-to-edge display is covered with Corning Glass 4, and it's got a 178-degree viewing angle, which is pretty good, and a 1,000-to-1 contrast. So the full HD screen is going to look pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, but under the hood, though, is where the really impressive parts of this device are. Zeus actually had to come up with a cooling system that w- would actually fit inside the product. You've got to remember, it's only 11.9 millimeters thick, and they still have to cool this thing. And what they did, their engineers actually came up with a three millimeter thick cooling system uh, engineered just for this product, and it has cooling pipes that are as thin as a razor blade. So that's pretty impressive. You, you don't see that, of course, it's under the hood, but very impressive engineering to fit all that technology under the hood there. Uh, it, all, these are all powered, by the way, by Intel Core i7 processor, the latest, the seventh generation processor. Uh, it is available now. It's also got Harman Kardon tuned speakers on board as well, and it's also got a single USB-C port. So it is very much like the MacBook uh, in terms of connectivity, uh, size, and design. Moving along to the Asus Transformer 3, Pro. This is priced from $1,699 and this has taken a leaf out of the Microsoft Surface Pro book. Uh, it is a tablet. 
that comes with a, a magnetic keyboard cover, and it also has a kickstand, so it's very much like the Microsoft Surface Book, the very popular Surface Books from Microsoft. It's got a sixth-generation Intel Core i7, up to 16 gig of RAM, and up to 512 gig of uh, solid-state drive storage. It has, on the connectivity side, USB-C port with Thunderbolt 3, USB 3 port, and a full-size HDMI port running Windows 10. So if you don't want to use it as a tablet, you can easily attach that keyboard cover and away you go. Also comes with a pen that has 1,024 levels of pressure sensitivity. So what you're getting here, it's pretty much a, a dead ringer for the Microsoft Surface Pro, but you do get the keyboard cover included as well as that pen. So with the, I know with the Microsoft Surface Pro, you've got to buy the tablet and then buy the uh, the keyboard cover, which I think is about $159, and I think the pen is separate as well. I, I'm not sure. I think actually with the Surface Pro, you might get the pen with it. But the ASUS certainly offers a uh, a cheaper option there, but still with plenty of power to, to offer also. The ASUS ZenBook Flip is the third product in, the, uh, in their new range. Again, from $1,699. Now, this is a convertible device, 13.3-inch screen. I should say the Transformer the Transformer 3 Pro, that's got a 12.6-inch screen, so slightly bigger than the ZenBook 3. Uh, these, the ZenBook Flip, $1,699, 13.3-inch screen, but it's also got a 360-degree flippable display. So you can have it uh, sitting as a, as a laptop, you can then uh, twist it over and fold the screen back on top on the back of the uh, on the keyboard so that it's like tablet mode. But then you can also have the, the keyboard facing down so it's like in entertainment mode. So it's like a stand or you can have it in tent mode. It reminds me of the, the Lenovo Yoga 3 uh, laptop that offers that similar versatility. It's got also two USB ports, a USB-C port, and also a full-size HDMI port. All three of those Azus products are now on sale, so they've they've really uh, they've really done a lot to uh, enhance the look of their products as well as the power of the product. So it's going to appeal not only to your average consumer but also to the education market, to the enterprise market. So they're hoping to have all those bases covered. If you want to take a closer look at all those devices, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm, I'm not just talking about the TV show. I'm also talking about all the novels. I've read all five of the novels. I read uh, most of them before the show became popular. And it is actually the 20th anniversary of the original novel, the original novel called A Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. 20 years ago that was published and was followed by five other books. Uh, four other books, I should say. So there's five in total. The sixth book, uh, soon to be released, called The Winds of Winter. But what has been released to celebrate that 20th anniversary is a new enhanced digital edition of those novels that are available exclusively, exclusively on Apple's iBook Store. 
Now, this was the novel that really that kicked off the whole thing, the, the Songs of Ice and Fire series, which is what they're known as. Game of Thrones is the first edition enhanced in the iBook store. And being a digital book, it allows you to have this interactive experience and learn more about not only the story and the characters, but the world of Westeros. And what, what the book includes are new covers, interactive character maps, detailed annotations, character journeys and timelines, family trees and histories, illustrations and glossary of terms and even clips narrated uh, throughout the book as well. That's one thing about the Game of Thrones books is, and as you've probably discovered by watching the TV show, then the TV show is only a fraction of what is actually the in the book. The books are really dense with characters and whole storylines that weren't even included in the TV show. Uh, that, that lets you, it allows you to explore even even easier with these digitally enhanced editions. So you can stop and check a character's family tree or uh, look at a map. So uh, rather than you having just to read through and hope you're keeping track of everything, with this enhanced edition, it allows you to step out of the story for a second, check up on something, look at a character map, look at some details, check out a character, check out a house, family tree. So it really gives you that information on the the fly so you can understand and enjoy the story even more. The digital enhanced edition, the Game of Thrones, is available now and soon to follow will be the other the other books in the series, A Clash of Kings, that's book two. Book three is A Storm of Swords. A Feast for Crows is book four. A Dance with Dragons is book five. They're going to be available in the enhanced editions in the coming months. What you also get with the Game of Thrones enhanced edition is a an excerpt from the upcoming sixth novel, The Winds of Winter. So you get a little sneak peek into, I think, the first couple of chapters of that book as well. So if you're a real fan and want to go back and enjoy them, even if you're coming to them for the first time, I think these are probably suited more to the first-time reader of these books. Whether you've enjoyed the, the, the shows already and want to really dive into them even deeper, this is a great way to do it. And as we said, only available on the iBookstore. So if you've got an iPhone or an iPad or on your Mac, you'll be able to access these beautiful enhanced digital editions as well as uh, you can check out our story at Tech Guide and see a video uh, from George R.R. Martin himself and also get a little sample of what you can expect. You can check all those things out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they're introducing the Arlo Q. It's an AC-powered 1080p high-definition camera with audio and enhanced night vision that lets you see and hear in perfect detail. Arlo Q is designed to deliver the best experience indoors. It comes with two-way audio so you can listen and talk back and forth through the camera. That means you can pop in to see how things are going at home while you're out. You can even set motion alerts to let you know if anything moves and use seven days of free cloud encodings to store a video record of events online. With Netgear's Arlo, you got every angle covered. For more information, visit arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Our first review is of Sony's new flagship Bravia Z9D 4K 
high definition, high dynamic range, I should say, LED TV. It's quite a mouthful, but I've got to say, it is an excellent television. So it's 4K, ultra high definition, with high high dynamic range. Now, this is a 65-inch LED TV, and I have to say, from... Last year's models and the, and the models before, this is a massive leap forward in terms of Sony's uh, the picture quality, audio quality, and just the general operation of the TV really has moved forward in leaps and bounds. Sony have always made great TVs. They've always had remarkable technology uh, for displays, picture quality, and they've brought it all together in one package in the Z9D. Now the TV on the on the design side really looks quite stunning. It has a really thin bezel around the outside. It's got a nice gold tinge around the edges as well. And it's also got a, a, a stand, an aluminium low-profile stand that actually sits in the, below the center of the television. Uh, that means you can actually fit this TV on a relatively small surface if you have to. Other TVs now uh, in the market have have stands with legs that reached to the to the edges of the television. So you, you need quite a wide entertainment unit to position those TVs if you didn't want to wall mount them. What I like about the Sony Z9D is they put that stand in the middle and allowed you to, even if you've got a small surface to place it on, uh, you're good to go with the Z9D. The back of the TV also has a cable management system as well, so uh, the, the cables can be all tucked away quite neatly so the back of the TV doesn't look like a mess because in some houses uh, the, the TV could be positioned where you can still see the back of the television, so at least that cable management system tidies that up a little bit. On board, this is running Android as well. It's Android Marshmallow, so it's one of the latest versions for the TV, and because it's running Android, you can access not only lots of content but also lots of apps as well. You can even use Chromecast. You don't need a separate Chromecast unit to plug in the TV. It's built into the TV because it's running Android, so you can cast content from your smartphone and tablet right up there on the screen. So if there's some content you want to share or a video you may have found, you can cast it up to the TV as well. Now, what really makes the TV uh, stand out is a couple of things. First is the new 4K processor X1 Extreme. Now, this is the chip that is the brains and the heart of this television. And, of course, the actual screen itself, which, as I said, is 4K ultra-high definition. But just having a good chip doesn't guarantee good picture. You need to have a screen that can display the colors, the black levels, the contrast really, really well, and that's exactly what... Sony has done. Then what what really impressed me was the the color, the contrast, the black levels on this is probably the best blacks I've seen on an LED TV. And working in concert with that with the processor is also uh, the backlighting system, which which is which can be controlled to the last LED. Uh, and the LEDs are, are super focused, so you're not going to get all this light leakage around the pixels. That's what it really impressed me with even a bright area of the screen, really bright, right next to it, the, the picture could still be pitch black, absolutely deep black. So there's no light leakage, no none of that smoky-looking black colors on the screen. And upscaling, the Z9D can upscale 
so well. I was so impressed with Blu-ray upscaling to near 4K quality. It was remarkable. So you, it can even it can even upscale standard dynamic range content into HDR high dynamic range content. So if you're playing 4K movies, for example, it doesn't have to upscale that. You got the you got the resolution right there, and it's HDR. It really looked incredible. That HDR gives you bright, brighter brights darker blacks and all the detail that you see in those areas of the screen. So what it does, it takes the standard 8-bit SDR signal, upscales it to 14-bit, and then brings it back down to 10, all smoothed out, HDR looking great. So that that alone will make your content really pop. It's an amazing quality that you're going to see there. And as I said, the upscaling of Blu-rays, Sony's nailed it once again with some great technology there to make your Blu-ray discs look just about 4K. So colours, textures are really going to stand out. The black levels, as I said, one of the best I've seen on an LED television. Uh, the the all, all that technology working together. So you've got your 4K processor Extreme X1 un, under the hood there. You've got the backlight master drive, which, which looks after the, those LED lights, as I said. You've also got the tri-luminous display uh, that, that Sony is famous for. So with all of those things working together, you're going to get a picture that you're not going to believe. We had to pick our jaw up off the ground. It was incredible. It's priced at $6,999. Now, this is a flagship TV. It is the probably the best LED TV on the market, in my opinion. I've seen them all. This, I think, has the edge from its great image quality excellent upscaling the display looks terrific and put them all together you're going to get a result that's really going to impress there's 65 inch bravia z9d 4k hdr led tv six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars and if you want to read the full review you can check that out at techguide.com.au Next up, we're going to chat Dyson. Now, we know Dyson for making vacuums and fans and hair dryers and all kinds of products that involve moving around lots of air. They've got great systems there that can create great suction, also fans for cooling and heating. So with that experience, Dyson thought, well, you know what? We could do something else with air. We can purify it. And that's exactly what they've done with their latest range. You've got three new products, the Dyson Pure Cool Link Tower, the Dyson Pure Cool Link Desk, and the Dyson Pure Hot and Cool Link. Now, what they all have in common is the fact that they are intelligent air purifiers and you'd be surprised how much is floating around inside our homes like we're talking fine particles like pollen mold allergens bacteria spores odors pollution and a lot of people think well no the inside of our house should be fine you'll be surprised to know that our homes can be actually the air inside our homes can have more microparticles than the air outside our homes reason for that is because modern homes today are built to keep keep air in they're designed to keep heat in keep cold air out and because of that design, that sealed design, it traps in all these harmful particles as well. So if you suffer from hay fever or you have allergies, you may have pets, these can all contribute to making you sick. And if you're uncomfortable, you've had a rough night's sleep because of all the particles in the air, you're going to wake up the next day feeling like hell and not, not operating at your best. 
the answer could be one of these new Dyson air purifiers. And and they claim they can remove 99.95% of fine particles. Uh, It can even detect changes in the conditions and adjust the airflow and filtering to suit. And what I like about this too is that it's all now operated through an app. So you can, it's it's one thing to say, okay, this can purify the air, but there needs to be a way for you to monitor that. So what, what the app allows you to do is to see the air quality around you, whether it's good, whether it needs improvement, see even uh, the outside air quality as well, uh, and monitor right down to the, to the nearest block where you live. So the Dyson is always informed when there needs to be more work done to purify the air around you. And if you suffer from allergies or you may have hay fever, this is a product worth investing in. And on top of that, of course, it's going to be used for heating and also used for cooling as well as purifying the air as well. It's got its own purifier, its own uh, filter on board. It's a, it's a patented technology they've, they've done there and it draws air inside using the mixed flow impeller. So it sucks the air in and then it passes it through a 360 degree glass HEPA filter. And what that does, it traps pollen, bacteria and all those other microscopic particles and then lets the purified air pass through, out through the fan, the air four shaped ramp and leaves as a nice fast stream of air, hot or cool air. So with all those together, you can view this, as I said, through the app. You can even control the device through the app. First first Dyson product to be controlled through an app, and I, I, hazard, I hazard a guess to say it's not going to be the last Dyson product to be controlled with an app as well. The, uh, the, the cooling units, there's a, there's a floor model as well as a desk model, and there's also the hot, and co- the hot and cold link as well. The Pure Cool Link Tower, $699. The Pure Cool Link Desk Edition is $549, and you can have the Pure Hot and Cool Link, which can sit on a desk that's 749 that's can cool and heat as well if you want to read more about all of those products from dyson you can check it out at techguide.com.au tech guide now a tech guide interview tech guide our interview this week is with Ashley Cox. He's the general manager of UAV Air. Now, UAV Air is the uh, uh, a body that uh, runs certificate courses for drone pilots. And with this industry just going from strength to strength, uh, it, it is uh, putting on these courses to allow people to have a, a CASA accredited certification to allow you to fly drones professionally. Now, just last week, the drone laws changed. And what that involves is that no longer do you need CASA accreditation, a license, to fly drones commercially, professionally, if they weigh two kilos or less. If it's heavier drone, you need that that certification if you want to use them professionally. Although the laws have also changed to allow property owners, so flying drones on your own property, Again, you don't need certification if it's on your property up to 25 kilo a drone. You, you don't need certification on your very own property. There's some of the law changes. What effects they're going to have? Uh, what's involved with getting your drone license? Even tips on how to, uh, to fly your drone. We put those questions to Ashley Cox when we caught up with him earlier. Well, hi, Ash. Thanks for joining me. You are the general manager of UAV Air. Right. Which is the what do we call yourself? You're a, you're an instructor. You're a, well, yeah. We're a we're a drone training company. So we train professional pilots to operate okay. to operate drones in Australia. So you're the go-to guy when it comes to finding out about drones and also the latest laws and rules around drones, which is significant because last week 
the, uh, the the laws were, can we say, relaxed a little bit. Sure. And so what that involves now is it, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you fly a drone under two kilos, you now don't need CASA certification to use it professionally, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So these, these laws have been long awaited, they've been discussed for years, and we finally got to a point where we can, uh, where people can operate drones without having to go through this, the full certification process. So for people looking to start out, start working out you know, what their sub-two kilo drone might be able to do, particularly real estate photos and things like yeah. that, they'll be able to register with CASA and, and start out in the industry relatively cheaply and easily. And just to be clear too, like two, under two kilos, that's that's probably most of the known market to customers, isn't it? Like the DJI Phantoms, the upcoming GoPro Karmas, they're all under two kilos, aren't they? That's right, yeah. 3DR Solo is another one that fits in there really nicely. They're all under two kilos. And they, you know, for some fairly basic sort of uh, professional work, like real estate photos, they do a very good job under the right conditions. So it's enough to get people started. And then when they're ready to, they know their business is... Um, going in the direction they want it to, then they can take that next step and go into, you know, start spending a bit more. It's not nearly as expensive as it used to be to get set up, but yeah. they can start moving in that direction nice and early. And, and in terms of the, so before before last week, you would have had to pay like what fourteen, fifteen hundred bucks to get that certification. So now that's been dropped. So it, it's become. Do you foresee now that a lot more people are going to take up drones, knowing that they can get into it without having to get the the certification? Yeah, I think I think people that have already got drones have kind of thought, oh, I wonder, you know, what I can do with this. I've got this amazing photo, or I want to go talk to a local real estate agent about about capturing some footage for them. They'll be able to utilise that technology now and get started in the industry. Mm-hmm. And give it a go, you know, see if it's what they want to do rather than spending a huge amount up front and then sure. going, this isn't what I thought it was going to be or the market isn't what I thought. Okay. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to encourage people to think about what drones do beyond a real estate photo or wedding cinematography yeah. and that sort of thing. There's a million things drones can do and, and this is a good trigger to, to help, you know, get yeah, people started. Get people thinking. Yeah. But we should point out that despite the, the deregulation, if you like, sort of these law changes... The actual rules still apply of, of how you can operate your drone and where you can operate your drone. Is that right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So sub two kilo operators will be restricted by very much the same rules as they were. It's also worth so noting that, that that's important, isn't it? Because yeah. most people think that okay, I don't need to be, I don't need to be get a license or a certification now. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. Is, yeah. is that is that a fear here that? That potentially there could be more danger now because of this. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a risk, particularly people who don't don't have a good understanding of the law. There's no requirement for them to prove that they understand what the laws are. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to know they're taking a bit more risk. The fines now with this new legislation have gone up, so they can yeah. be fined up to I think it's six thousand dollars for breaking those rules. Wow. So it's really important they find out where the local airports are, yeah. how high they can fly. All yeah. of those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, I interrupted you. I think earlier you were going to tell us about the laws as they stand. And what is it, like five and a half kilometres from the airport? Take us through that. Yeah, that's right. We still need to maintain a distance of 5.5 kilometres from, from major airports. Yep. Um, there's some ability with smaller airports to, to fly closer, but they need to have a good understanding of what they're doing there. Um, still need to stay under 400 feet and, and still remains not over populous areas and not within 30 metres of people. And that gets interpreted very differently by people. (laughs) Uh, And we find our students, we have to correct them. 30 metres doesn't mean you can fly 60 metres directly above someone. It's 30 metres horizontally. 
And the term populous area is going to be interesting. It'll be interpreted. You basically need to fly in a way that's not going to have a collision with, with a person or property and that sort of thing. So um, that that is really going to get tested in court when someone does have an accident. Yeah, and the, the, the dangers of a, a drone hits an aircraft, it, it could be... Catastrophic, isn't it? So people really, these rules aren't there just to just for practice. You've actually got to follow them. That's right. That's right. And a, a two kilo drone that's stopped in the sky becomes a two kilo brick. Mm. It is potentially dangerous, and and people, need, even though they're very reliable, and yeah. often they'll, you know, nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, they'll operate perfectly. It's that one time something goes wrong yeah. that people need to make sure they're in the right place and and they're prepared for those sorts of uh, things to go wrong. Do you see uh, with these law changes, it's, uh, uh, it's going to be a huge uptake now. I think more people are going to think, I'm going to buy one now. Like They're going to hear that uh, there's less there's less barriers now to achieving what they want to achieve with mm-hmm. photography or whatever they want to do. So can you see that you uh, the drone market really taking off now? Yeah, I look, it, it, it's absolutely humming along, particularly in Australia already, but I think um, people will now be going, all right, I, I, I can justify spending the sort of money on a good sub-two-kilo drone that's going to get get me what I need because I'm stepping into you know that professional space. Yeah. So I think, yeah, things are going to get even hotter in that market. Yeah. And then we're seeing amazing new drones coming out almost yeah. on a weekly Go basis Pro, at the moment. GoPro yeah. Karma. And that's right. What are the Mavic Pro? The new Mavic uh, recently announced. Yeah, yeah very um, you know, amazing bits of equipment yeah. for, for what they do. I think that's going to get a lot of people's attention and, and yeah. drones are going to be uh, front of mind for a lot of customers now, new customers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you know, coming up for Christmas we'll see, uh, you know, a lot of lot of purchases for, mm-hmm. for people as as this uh, as the market really gets absolutely. up. Absolutely. Now tell us about what you guys do at UABS. So you still offer your, your training and your certificate courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that important? I know if you want to fly a drone obviously over two kilos, you need to have the certification. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so our goal, we're, we're a registered training organisation. We deliver a Certificate 3 in aviation for remote pilots. Yeah. Our goal's never been about just ticking a box um, for CASA to allow you to fly. It's always been about making sure people understand the trade of flying drones, how to do it well, how to do it safely, mm-hmm. and how to deliver a really good product for their clients. Yeah. So we, uh, we're, we're seeing huge you know, um, interest, even with these subsequent levels, for people that want to get into the industry and... Yeah. and and do it properly. Yeah, I understand too that part of the law changes were announced last week was that on your own property you can fly a drone up to 25 kilos. So if you've got a big farm, or you, you can now do that without certification too, is that right? Yeah, it, it looks as though these laws are designed to allow some of the new spray drones that are entering the market. The biggest one that looks like there is the DJI Agris. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to set people back probably about $30,000 by the time it's landed in Australia. Okay. To take something like that up without any training, is you know, without spending a few thousand dollars on training yeah. is crazy. So we think most of those people looking at that sort of technology will, will be looking to get trained. Um, but it allows landowners to um, uh, do some really interesting things in agriculture where we're yes. going to see huge explosion in technology over the next couple of years. So who, who are taking your courses? Are they a variety? Are they mainly photographers? Or are they? You mentioned that drone usage is going to be expanded in way outside photography. Mm-hmm. So 
who, who, are your, who are your students then? We tra- train a huge variety. I think initially uh, we were training people in photography. That, that was their key goal. But over time, people have noticed... Uh, so agriculture is a really big one. And environmental management. We train a lot of government staff that are looking to monitor shark populations yeah. and mangroves and a yeah. whole range of different things. Um, surveyors are another big one where we, where we do a lot of training. Surveyors and engineers for bridge inspections and yeah. things like that. So we're really showing people how to utilise the technology to solve specific problems. And as the technology develops and people get have really clever ideas about the sorts of sensors and things they can attach to drones, we're just seeing that expand more and more. Okay, just before we wrap up, I want to ask you, you're going to pick your brain, mm. top three tips for drone pilots. Top three tips. Okay, so the, the first one is don't just trust your technology. We speak to people all the time, you know, new Phantom 4 has got collision avoidance and the, and the, the Mavic has that as well. Um, you shouldn't expect that it's always going to work and you shouldn't, you know, risk your technology or potentially risk other people um, on that. So always always think about that. Okay. Um, number two, it's got to be said, is understand where you can fly yep. and what you can be doing. Understand that you, you, you a drone is a tool, yep. it's not a toy, and that you need to have some respect for what, what can go wrong yep. in, in that. Um, and number three, I think, is, is managing people. People have concerns about drones, and we need to we need to understand that. But people are worried about their privacy and things like that. So I think always being respectful of what you're doing, just like any photographer, yeah. you know, letting people know what you're doing and and flying safely is probably the most important thing. Brilliant, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us on the Tech Guide podcast. Fantastic, thanks for your time. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information like passwords, photos and credit card details to hackers and identity thieves? Well, Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Interesting topic for the Help Desk this week. It was a result of an email I received from a worried mother, a concerned parent who asked about being able to install spyware on their child's phone. They were a little bit worried about what they were getting up to with their iPhone, I think it was. Uh, They're they're on Snapchat and they're texting and taking photos and she was a little bit worried about what she's getting up to and she asked if there was a way for you to install something on the phone to allow you to track it. So whatever calls are being made, photos being taken, texts being sent and received, all those activities can be monitored. It is actually possible to do that. A uh, couple, of, couple of ways you can do it. Uh, if you're using an Android device, there are some free apps that you can install on the target phone, uh, and that will allow you then to see every picture, text, call, message uh, that the Android phone sends. 
and allows you to monitor that remotely online. And, and there's plenty of apps on, on the Google Play Store that allow you to do that. There are even services that allow monitoring as well. And we're talking for about about $400 for, it's quite expensive for three months. And I'd have to say that these services are a bit more intensive and accurate than just an, a free app you install on an Android phone. It does allow you and allow you to monitor not only Android devices but also iPhones. There are there are a lot of services available, uh, so you you can intercept all those calls, texts, whatever photos are taken remotely. So whether you want to protect your kids or monitor your employees or you may be suspicious about your partners uh, what they're doing, uh, it does involve installing the app on their device. Uh, with this pre-installed. So in, in many scenarios, in the case of an employee, for example, they've just started a new company and, well, here's your, here's your phone and it will have the app already built in. We suspect that the employee has to be told they're being monitored. So they would have that uh, brand new device with that installed. In the case of a child or, or a partner, uh, then nine times out of 10, I'd assume that the app would be installed without their knowledge and without them even knowing they're being tracked. That's how uh, the headset, what these monitoring services promise. And there are plenty of them online that uh, offer their services uh, here in Australia that allow you to monitor quite thoroughly what that person happens to be doing on their phone. So if you're really desperate to do it, it's going to cost you a bit of money. Uh, we looked at one service online. I'm not going to name them. They're about the same price. For about 440 bucks, you get three months of monitoring. For uh, six months, it's going to go up to 800 bucks. And if you want to do it for a full year, you're talking $1,100. These are just average prices that we've seen on the web for you to spy on other device users. So really uh, think think twice about whether you want to do it, whether you can afford it, whether it really needs to be done. But to answer our reader's question, yes, it can be done. It's not cheap, but the technology exists for you to do it. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And, of course, if you want to get in touch, please email us, info at techguide.com.au. We could be reading your your email on our help desk. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, Stay safe and stay connected. 